0: Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the
3: Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Kramer and David Faber. Coming off that big Nasdaq reversal on Monday. Worst day since June 26. Futures have lost a little steam here as banks are in Ooh. focus. JP Morgan Wells City, along with COVID, as California, the nation's biggest state economy, closes indoor operations. Oil's above 40. We watch CPI Jim. Uh, But once again, um, we are prepped for another day of interesting intraday action.
4: Yesterday, Carl, was a very discouraging day for a lot of people who have uh, been chasing momentum, uh, because last week was maybe one of the best momentum weeks I can recall since 1999, uh, which meant that if you bought it, it went higher. And how much fun is that? Uh, Yesterday was the day that you bought it, it went higher, and then it got crushed. And so I think that usually takes a couple days uh, of reset, where maybe you go after stocks that aren't as hot, say, as Tesla. So you would focus, say, on something like the banks. I have to tell you, I've been through the banks, and I know uh, Dave and I talk about this all the time, that they're incredibly complex beasts. They're not like, ooh, Tesla hot. Uh, and when I first went over them, I thought they looked pretty good, but already they're reversing. And this is not an uncommon pattern as people find one line or two line that they don't like, and then they sell these stocks. David, it's happening once again. You know that the, these banks could have been littered with bad loans. It's not. They have great trading. They, they go up, and then they spent the rest of the session going down. I feel like, uh, to your point, we've, I feel like we see that
0: often on earnings day, uh, that same pattern where there is an initial – uh, positive response to what appear to be at least top line beats to a certain extent I'm not when I talk about it, I mean actually revenue and earnings uh, exceeding analyst expectations Jim but then you get deeper in whether it's the reserves whether it's the commentary around the quarter and what is coming and we're going to be getting that now from J- uh, JP Morgan's call I think started at 8:30 Wells Fargo's a bit later city. Uh, and that gives investors pause, and, and and then the reserve builds. I mean, right. they're very significant. Now we all we knew coming in, capital markets activity was incredible, and that's reflected in the numbers. We knew trading would be strong. That is reflected in some of the numbers. What we didn't quite know is where are they going to. Build and how much would they, Jim? And, you know, again, early days here. By the way, typically you want to wait until you actually see the queue because there's a lot more information in there than is in these right. press releases right. to really understand what's going on at these banks. Well, I'll
4: tell you what's amazing, Carl. People keep saying, you know what, I don't want to buy those expensive stocks. I, uh, who's going to go out there, and buy Netflix, uh, Spotify, double down, great. But here you got a bank City City, OK? Now, Citigroup has a tangible book value, which is actually if you close the bank. I know you're not going to, but if you close the bank, it's what the bank's really worth. The tangible book value is seventy one dollars and fifty cents. This stock is at fifty one. That is the definition of cheap. The, of course, they're not allowed to buy back stock or be additive. If you want cheap, come and get it. You get a four percent yield. They don't want cheap in this market. They don't want value in this market. They're just waiting a few days before they come right back and start taking up fang again. And that is what's going to happen.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, others would argue, Jim, cheap for a reason. Uh, Kayla Tauschy this morning uh, pointing to this Goldman poll of a small business saying that 84 percent expect their PPP money of small business owners to run out in the first week of August. We know what's going to happen with CARES Act uh, funds at the end of the month. Maybe that's one reason why the, J- the first J.P. Morgan call this morning said we are preparing for a more protracted recovery.
4: Right. At the same time, Citi was talking about how they, that only about six percent of the people said, listen, uh, we will we, we'll take advantage of your forbearance plan. And then only half those people actually did. I was quite surprised at that. But then again, you're, you're being paid to be at home right now more than if you're working. And about PPP, I, I, I think that the idea that you, that it might be over is going to be wrong. That's where I think the stimulus is going to come. Uh, right. Because uh, when it runs out, there'll be more until we get a vaccine. And now uh, people may say, well, Jim, when the hell is that? going?" I don't know. But they can't afford to let it run out for exactly what Kayla said, because the numbers would be awful if it ran out.
0: But, you know, the city's numbers, Jim, to your point, are uh, are certainly interesting to look at. Uh, you know, uh, end of period loans, $685 billion, largely unchanged from the prior period. Deposits were up. from the prior year, (laughs) $1.2 trillion in deposits as of quarter end. As you pointed out, book value, 8341, tangible book, 7115. And again, they did increase significantly their allowance for credit losses. They're now at 3.89% of total loans. They had been at 1.82% of total loans in
4: terms of what the reserves represent as a percent of that number. People are paying their bills. And I think that that is something that is my takeaway of this morning so far. Uh, Even Wells Fargo looks like they're paying the bills. Now, uh, Wells Fargo is a conundrum, Carl, because most people remember this as being the best run bank. Uh, Charlie Sharp is a great banker. uh, He's got a very great pedigree, Visa. Uh, He was banking in New York. But, I mean, he comes out and basically says, don't own my stock. You don't want to touch my stock. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you know, someone, Melissa was going back. Melissa asked the an analyst, is it a contrarian play? And I look at it and I said, well, let me check with Charlie Sharp, the CEO. Oops, no, no, don't buy it. Now, if you want to come in and buy it, you don't really have Charlie's blessing. I always like it when the CEO likes their stock. But maybe this is just one of those rare occasions because he bought a ton of stock at 28 and it is no longer yep, 28. Yep. You can buy it less than he did. But this yeah. is not the Jamie Dimon called shot that we all remember.
3: We, we remember that purchase. That was one of the first big uh, sort of signs of at least insider confidence, Jim, that that purchase by sharp at 28. Yeah. And David and I, in your absence last week, talked about some of the sell side arguing that this could be a tactically constructive Band-Aid quarter for Wells. I mean, are you suggesting the stock could turn around or not?
4: No, I'm suggesting buy, John, buy Johnson Johnson if you want to get the Band-Aid. Not even before tomorrow. Stock was up three yesterday. I'm a little worried. I would not touch this Wells yet. And the reason I want to touch his Wells is, is I don't know maybe they have to offer stock, but I look. Well, we are extremely disappointed. I mean, look what he said. Now this yeah. is his quarter. The second quarter is Charlie's. At, Charlie looks better than that. Where did you get that? We get rid of that picture. I agree. Charlie's a cool
0: looking guy. That, he is. That is not a good looking picture of him. We got to change that.
4: Uh, yeah, we, let's do that instantly. But if, when Charlie says, "Listen, I've got it under control," you buy. Until then, this was one of those. It's not even kitchen sink. I don't know. It's like but every Jim, sink. Jim, it's like five sinks. Jim,
0: explain to people what the difference is, though, in terms of their portfolio and J.P. Morgan's or even cities, for that matter, and why there is so much more concern about Wells. For no those perhaps jamma, who David, may not understand. they
4: got no you know what jam is. I do. But That's what trading desk. got to tell people what that is. <laughs> when you're in a trading desk, people talk about jam and they talk about mojo. It means like they're throwing money around. They're making money on the VIG, just to use like a gambling term since everybody gambles now. Uh, Wells Fargo is a bank. It's like Monopoly. It's a community chess, right? And it's a very good bank, but they do not have those trading desks that are crushing it. JP Morgan, by the way, had a great trading desk experience.
0: Yes. Yes, they were strong. And listen, it, we, we'll, we'll hear from Goldman. We'll hear from Morgan Stanley. Goldman
4: better blow it uh, out of this, David.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'd think that that would augur for good numbers. We'll see. I mean, we know how strong fixed income has been for all of these banks and equity, by the way. The capital markets have just been incredible. Yes. They've been one of the great stories, I think, of the last four months. Uh, but we'll see what the trading looks like there. And I guess that is one of the key differentiators with Wells at this point. $1.4 in deposits. I mean, some of these numbers, you just forget
4: how enormous these financial incredible? institutions are. Yeah. Yeah, but, David, PayPal, okay? Mm-hmm. It's two times the market cap of Citi. Well it's well past Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. I mean, PayPal, FinTech, David. FinTech. David, FinTech.
0: You mentioned FinTech. That's going to be a, a – there's an IPO today. What? Encino, N C N O, seven point six million shares. Encino? Cloud software for financial institutions. Jim FinTech. That thing was forty-five times oversubscribed. We're going to want to watch that. I IPO. want Fin.
4: I want that. What is it? Encino.
0: Uh, yeah, like, like that. N ten- C N O. Encino. Done. Done. I'll circle ten percent. Sold to you. Sold to you. Sold okay. to you. I want ten percent. You- <laughs> I can only give you five. Sorry,
4: Carl. We are in a world where if it isn't FinTech. I mean, there was a company on Robin Hood yesterday uh, in their change in popularity board that was a fintech gambling company. And I, I'm sure people don't even want to know what it does, because if you do that much research, you might not like it. Uh,
3: is that why Goldman in their initiations today goes sell ADP, sell paychecks and sell Western Union? I thought that was a vicious,
4: vicious attack. I have PayPal. I have uh, I have paycheck on tonight. You know, paycheck. I have, I, have, I have Marty Musi. I have one for. Uh, uh, I, I've got to tell you, PayPal was it, 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 it's the greatest story ever told since it was at thirty-three. Paychecks has a great yield. Slow and steady wins the race. Did very well and it's despised. It's despised. Why? small because David, it has to do with small business and that they're, they're going away. You, I know you thought they were the backbone. I threw I a pen at you. You didn't even look up. How about this? Oh, you gotta, you gotta reach me. We're well, too I'm far. Not, I'm not your son. I don't have a cannon for an arm. <laughs> we're we we're 40 yards hey, away kid. from each get other. Hidden here. By the way, we
0: keep getting further from each other. You know, I was hoping as the pandemic went on, we'd get closer. Give me a break. Now you won't even allow me within 10 it's meters. 60 of you.
4: feet now. 60? Yeah, Is we that, added a yeah. zero. Uh, Carl, being in here, I need you in here just to throw a pen at you. I miss those days. I, I want I I to get back
3: in there, guys. Yeah. But it reminds me of. Uh, to the degree you guys can't social distance. I mean, the language around masks is getting a lot more targeted. Uh, Admiral Gerard yesterday saying uh, if all of us put on a face covering now for the next four to six weeks, we could drive this epidemic to the ground. Yeah. And, Jim, of course, what Mark Benioff told you on Mad Money last night for our viewers. Listen to this.
2: Masks are very important. They are the key. If everyone in the United States wore masks for three weeks, every person, total compliance, the mask would be, the whole virus would be gone. We have to take that very seriously.
4: Jim,
3: you've been preaching that gospel for months.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. There are a lot of people who on Twitter immediately said that Benioff's wrong. But the only people who uh, said he was right were doctors who were infectious disease specialists. Uh, as opposed to the bleacher crowd, which is thinking that Benioff is somehow political. It works. Uh, We were trying to come up with a a contest. We have young people, 15 to 24, hopefully can design a mask that is regarded as being wearable. But masks are the answer. And it's really incredible that Goldman Sachs could put out a piece about 5 percent of the GDP, perhaps going away unless we people wear masks. And yet it's still being debated in my Twitter file after spending a lot of money to try to make this contest, and admit you know, I'm fortunate to have some money, but to have this contest come true, all the people said to me was, it's all showboating. What is it? Showboating? I just, I just want people to wear masks and because we got to get this economy moving and we've got to save lives. Three weeks, that's all it would take. And no, there are very few people who would disagree with that in the medical community.
0: Yeah. And I mean, uh, Carl, of course, uh, we, we know this news from yesterday, but it is worth mentioning Benioff's in California. Where now you can't go to a bar or a restaurant or a museum or a movie theater uh, because of what they've had to do in response to uh, record high cases in that state. 40 million people, a GDP, yeah. what, fifth largest, sixth largest fifth in the large. world, right? Fifth yep. largest in the world.
3: Yeah. Not to mention L.A. schools, guys, oh. uh, online for the fall. Uh, I'm damn. I know. I know. Uh, Guys, so much to get to today. We will touch on Delta. We'll get to Tesla, of course, after yesterday's action. Interesting news on the Bronco out of Ford. And as Jim said, the double downgrade of Spotify downgraded Netflix, which does report this week. We're back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? No doubt you've heard a lot about Tesla's price action on Monday, a $323 swing intraday. Today, Piper uh, goes to $23.22, Jim. Uh, Elon Musk on Twitter replied, wow. And the firm's point is that if solar and storage really does rival automotive one day, in their words, investors will eventually need to pay attention.
4: Well, look, I, there was a great discussion uh, on Squawk about, with Bob Lutz about how great Tesla really is. Uh, The Piper piece is trying to find a justification and comes upon software uh, and basically saying that this is a they're using that it isn't a car. It's a technology uh, vehicle that moves people around. But I keep coming back to September 22nd. Uh, I know Melissa was talking about the battery. That's battery day. It maybe goes a million miles. Uh, Look, I think the issue is exactly what Honeywell told me. Uh, Darius Damchek, the CEO, you can build a a possible battery that can last eight, nine hours. That is a game changer because an eight, nine hour battery takes you very far across the country or uh, north south. So if he has that, Then I think people will say, you know what, I see why people paid. It wasn't just day traders, not that there's anything wrong with them. I see why people paid these prices, because that battery is then going to be able to be a gating issue to whether they can make two million cars or three million cars. We'll suddenly realize this is not a small company. It's a giant company, and they can't produce them fast enough, and they have the best battery. And it's entirely possible that this might be the only car company that is able to come through this period, because we are all going EV. We are. And so I think it's the battery. That's what we have to watch. David, you a battery believer? Sure. I guess. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah I'm, why not? I'm a battery believer. Sure. i my car again. Yeah, yeah. Sure. That's all you have to say. What are you diehard? die hard? Are you ever ready?
4: You're talking about like a
0: major issue here. I, I'm aware of the major issue. I'm aware of it. Yes. Uh, even with oil prices where they are, though, Jim, even with gasoline priced at Fairly low levels. You think there's still going to continue to be the rapid adoption? Of I the told media. you I said fossil fuels are dead. You just won't listen to me. Uh, I do listen to you, and I'm well aware of that. It's I'm funny because we don't discuss ESG nearly as much as we once did prior to the pandemic and how important it is, but I would assume that leads you to still say that fossil fuel stocks are off-limits off, off limits for you? you Only Chevron un- and un- uninvestable. Parsley. Uninvestable? Only Chevron and years.
4: Parsley. P.E., $10 stock. Yeah. Uh, so go, uh, go Hood yourself. And uh, yes, uh, Chevron for 6% yield. Carl, this group, uh, it, the $40 oil seems to be some sort of wall, and I think those stocks have to be yeah. sold.
3: Interesting. Yeah, 40 has been sticky, Jim. I mean, um, to your point about uh, combustible engines, I mean, Ford Bronco, Uh, Ford said there was a stampede of reservations last night. They had to bring the system down and apologize to people on Twitter.
4: If it only mattered, if it only mattered what they make, the F-150, unbelievable, kicked the tires for another last weekend. Here's the problem. Balance sheet. Balance sheet is terrible. And uh, they need cash. They're not an airline. I mean, when I listen, it's very, very, because Filippo knows this group so well. I mean, I was just trying to figure out how many millions is Delta losing a day when it's something like in the high 20s. But Ford needs to, has all these areas. I thought that what Ford was going to do was just invest and then sell the products that people really want and not try to be Ford to all people and all things all over the globe. But they haven't put that strategy in place. And you still find, well, you know what? It doesn't matter how good the 150 is or the Bronco. They're losing so much money in places that you never even thought they were. Legacy of the old days when they felt they had to sell cars everywhere.
3: And supply chain issues, too, Jim, with uh, some of the engines out of Mexico. Uh, Uh, Speaking of transports, we'll talk more about autos. And we'll get to Delta. A lot of information, of course, Ed Bastian uh, providing some clarity on cash balances and further capital raising later uh, as Delta is uh, one to watch this morning. We're back in just a moment.
1: Imagine a beautiful afternoon. The sun is shining and you get to enjoy it all because you just sat down on your John Deere mower. The smooth ride lets you escape into your yard. Intuitive controls make you feel like you're one with the machine. And with attachments for every season, you can enjoy it all year long. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand what it's like to drive a John Deere mower, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at JohnDeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.
0: Eight and a half minutes before we get started with the uh, market today. That would be the opening bell. Let's get to a mad dash. You want to you've got a cruise theme here.
4: Yeah. Well, David, one of the most popular themes among the Robin Hoods, I'm mentioning these because they just took in another several hundred million dollars as a company. There's just this is where all the action is, so to speak. They've got about 12 million people. You can check to see what they're up to. They like the cruise lines. And I've got to tell you, SunTrust has a piece out today which says don't like the cruise lines, particularly they're saying that no cruising in North America until at least the second quarter of 2021, which means there's uh, there's not a lot of liquidity to the group. They say that Royal Caribbean only has about 14 months. Uh, carnival 15 but their favorite in mind has got 24 months norwegians also got the best locks and people do want to go luxury so those who are speculating on a quick return may be looking at a genuine buzzsaw
0: any chance you know you and i could get lucky we book a norwegian cruise and we end up being the only people on it and it's sort of like we got the boat to ourselves ship whatever they call them.
4: my daughter yep. flew from madrid mm-hmm. on a gigantic airbus yeah and there were only three other people in the plane really yeah how do you like that huh Right. you to walk around she you, said it was just... a private plane from uh iberian air all right
0: uh we got an opening bell we got a lot more to cover speaking of airlines of course we will get to those delta numbers to keep an eye on that stock as well uh we're back in two minutes stay with us
3: This is all about cash. It's about protecting the balance sheet, uh, raising as much cash as we can, knowing that it's going to be a difficult winter and certainly the next 12 to 18 months is going to be important to have a cash reserve. And then for Delta and all the airlines, reducing the cash burn. And while it was a very difficult quarter for us, the worst quarter, candidly,
2: in this company's history.
3: It's Delta's Ed Bastian on Squawk this morning talking about a wider than expected loss. Jim, And that cash burn rate going from 100 million a day down to 27 million a day. And the hope, he says, that they might be able to avoid furloughs, given that a fifth of the uh, workforce is taking some kind of early retirement. Yeah, The presentation by Bastion, as the presentation of many of
4: the CEOs in the airlines, is always very impressive. And I thought that he has this under control from the point of view of the cash burn. Uh, It just wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, There are he did say that there's not going to be as many flights as I would have liked to see because there's obviously not enough demand. But they're they're in pretty good shape and they're able to borrow if they have to because they can borrow against the loyalty program. And uh, what I want to buy the stock. No. But those who think that there is a vaccine coming, you would want to buy the worst, which is American uh, and maybe the best, which is Southwest. But you could do worse than only Delta. Again, these are vaccine stocks. They are not stocks based on earnings because you can't justify that because the term might not be at hand this year. But if you think that we are going to get something that's going to make it so that we feel good going out, there's your group right there. And you can pick them and it won't matter. I think I would pick Southwest because I can't believe that's back to 31.
3: Yeah, Jim, there was some reporting yesterday uh, about Southwest and the amount of traffic they would need to see. From here, uh, basically tripling to avoid Uh some very difficult uh, steps to preserve cash.
4: They have a good balance sheet. I mean, look, I think the government in the end is going to take care of these companies. And they have to take care of American first. And we've been the government, David, the government. We haven't heard a peep out of the government because things have uh, kind of the money's been spent. We wait to see the end of the employment benefits. But the government will be there for these for these companies. They're not going to let these companies go under. You seem confident
0: of that. It seems, yeah, it would seem that that would be the case. There's, I mean, there's certainly a national defense aspect to it, in a sense. I mean, you you can't really allow your airline industry to completely shrivel up, uh, even if they were to go bankrupt. However, you do have to keep in mind they would reorganize, as so many companies we've seen recently. I have heard this sort of, the pace of bankruptcy is expected to slow, uh, guys, at least, uh, you know, on that front, and won't include some of these names that we're looking at right here. Many of the... Bankruptcies that we've anticipated have come to the fore. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see if that really does occur or whether if there's another downturn, it is going to, Jim, bring another series of where we expect them to be. Of course, continued in pressure and things like retail and anything else that deals directly
4: with a consumer having to come in and do something. Well, the mortgage, the mortgage uh, uh, failures, the mortgage defaults were not that bad from the major banks. I, I wonder whether it's going to be the regional banks that we see it. The regional bank stocks have been completely crushed. Carl, I've I got to tell you, uh, that turnaround yesterday, the pirouette where it went back down, those things do not just mm-hmm. say, uh, you don't just snap out of that in one day. There are too many people who bought at the top who are trying to figure out, oh, my I feel like, Lord, get me back to even. So uh, let's just let let's just play out. We don't even know which group is going to come to the fore here. The uh, the uh, will it be the companies that do better because people think a vaccine is upon us? I, I, I can't buy into that theory. But the, that was the theory yesterday afternoon.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim there's the bell at the NYSE Eastman Chemical today celebrating its 100th anniversary at the Nasdaq and IPO it's Encino, provider of cloud-based software for financial institutions we'll talk to the CEO on Squawk Alley and Jim right to your point about the sort of the flood of news we got at uh midday California shutting the budget mm-hmm. deficit and 3235 which people say is um it looks a lot stickier now is there do you think we're going to be able to get past those June highs. Is this a bit of a minor top?
4: I think it's I, I think we will get past them. Uh, I feel that we got too hot. I do think that the Nasdaq is going to take a backseat to the S&P now. I think the Nasdaq is going to be OK, but that the S&P is going to give you uh, a better risk reward here. And, and that's not been. Wow. Nasdaq has let us out a lot of different times. But I would go S&P over Nasdaq right now.
3: So that's that's right in tune with what Morgan's what uh, Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley said. And that is no ninety nine top Nasdaq blow off top. Better to see a correction and then a broadening of of stocks participating, you know, somewhere around twenty eight fifty. Let's say
4: Wilson's brilliant. He agrees with me entirely.
0: Guys, keeping an eye on the banks What we talked about, of course, at the top of the show uh, with all the earnings from J.P. Morgan City and Wells Fargo this morning. And we'll update you uh, if we get anything of importance from the various conference calls. Uh, J.P. Morgan, the only um, uh, name that is seeing some positive uh, movement right now. You know, Jim, Wells Fargo has gone from the best to the worst or first to worst in what, two or three year period, really?
4: Yeah, yeah it makes you feel like that maybe it wasn't that good when it was... Uh, at first.
0: Yeah. Well, it
4: also had the Buffett
0: sheen on it. I mean, Buffett's yes. still there. He hasn't sold that one.
4: The only time the only th- that he sold, remember, when it got to be more than 10 percent. Right. But he stands by the franchise. I know that the franchise is deeply troubled. We all seem to know it. Uh, but we all seem to think that as long as Buffett's in there, we're OK. That's not been a great a great way to invest. He would tell you be in an index fund before you do that. Remember, the big wins that he's had, the big win he had was, the, was Apple. Yeah. Uh, if you mimic the rest of his portfolio, you've done, you know, Coca-Cola's done nothing. Wells has been worse. Market Express is one of the weakest of the group. It, it's not been a, a happy time. Better known Geico, which you can't. Which you can't. It is. Right,
0: right. Um, and they continue to advertise. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, at the same time, you have a good amount of faith in the leadership of Charlie Sharp. I do.
4: I, I, look, I do think that it's too early. The 110-page Sherman-Sturley investigation, which was not talked about enough, mm-hmm. was brutal about what happened a few years ago with Mr. Stumpf. And I think that this is a bank that uh, it, it seemed like it could ride right through uh, the scandals. This was a quarter that made me feel like maybe they don't have the best book of business uh, and maybe the scandals really did hurt them. No one ever wants to no tell matter, you, no matter who you talk to, Wells Fargo, they're going to tell you, look, the amazing thing is the scandals didn't matter. But this was a quarter that you have to just, everything's in question with Wells, everything. This was just bad. And I can say that because he said it.
0: Yeah. Uh, we are getting some uh, comments as well, uh, Carl, from the J.P. Morgan call in terms of the recovery, preparing for the worst case. Simply don't know. Don't think anyone knows. And this is unprecedented. Rarely as properly this time is being, uh, you know, it's unprecedented what's going on around the world. Mm-hmm. And obviously, covid itself is a main attribute. Um, and just going on to talk about sort of that, that we are in a key period now in terms of what they call the moment of truth. In the months ahead, at least, I believe that was Jamie Dimon speaking, although I'm not 100 percent because I'm getting certain uh, certain parts of the call here, Carl, at this point without without who who was speaking. Deposit growth.
3: Yeah, the transcript uh, being reported. Uh, FT has him quoted as saying, if the base case happens, we're going to have far too much capital and we're going to be buying back more stock, which I hope we can do before the stock goes up.
4: Well, I I, think JP Morgan did a great job. It's just a really good quarter. Uh, I know that it, it gets boring. But the one thing that is amazing is that these banks continue to be a lousy place to be. When the best one shoots the light out, just shoots it out, and that's all you get. And what does it say about a group? Yeah. Hey, it's got a $10 billion more market value than Tesla.
0: It's got that going for it. It's bigger than, it's yeah. bigger than Tesla? It's bigger than Tesla again. This bigger time US yesterday, US? it was trailing Tesla by about $25 billion in market cap. How do you that's like That's because that? Tesla was bigger than Netflix? Billion. Yeah, it's bigger than Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, towers over Netflix. It's gonna. It's
3: about. It's. It almost was ready to take out Walmart, right? Or Walmart would be next in line for
4: uh, for Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Walmart was very close. Yes. We should ban looking at market caps because it it just it's too unnerving. Because I remember when Merck and Coca Cola passed General Motors as in the cover of Business Week. How ridiculous it was that Merck. Well, I mean, you know. Made a lot of sense in the end. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. So people There laughed. is something to all that. Right. I know. I mean, let's face it. Maybe maybe the judgments aren't all wrong. Maybe there's something there. Maybe you have to go put on some tights and get in Robin Hood, David.
0: Yeah, I, I still wonder <laughs> about the data we're getting from that platform, Jim. Uh, Why well, right. not the accuracy, but what it all means. I mean. So what was it yesterday? How many thousands of people were trading Tesla on that platform?
4: It's nice. You just got to go to Robin Track, David. What do you do? You don't go to Robin track? No, I don't. What do you how, can you, how can you be in this business and not go to Robin track? I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, because it's RobinTrack.net, and you keep going Oh, Is that what it is? Yeah.
0: We should just always point out that we're not allowed to own stocks, and you do through your charitable trust. Yeah, but but I that's can, it. Can. Right.
4: Right now, let's see what they're doing. The Ford—they're still buying the Ford. Tesla—they're buying that one again. That's good. Yeah you got to look at the leaderboard, David. This is like it's real sport. Here they come again. They like Delta today.
3: <laughs> American. They're sold on American. <laughs> Sorry. Americans very good yeah. company. Um, Jim, really quick, just a, a little trip on China here. Uh, we have the U.K. Uh, going against Huawei, ripping yeah. everything out by 2027, uh, sanctioning uh, Lockheed. Uh, the Chinese say they will because of the Patriot sales to Taiwan. Uh, Pompeo this week with comments about uh, rights to the South China Sea. Is this heating up?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think that they, they seem to want everyone to realize it is heating up. Uh, that When you sell those arms to lucky to Taiwan, well, you, you're, not, you're not even allowed to mention Taiwan. It's like Fight Club. And, and then I, I think that when I see what's going on, the U.K. bending to our wishes – uh, the South China Sea, this was a something that uh, th- that even that Obama had got an agreement that the Chinese would not go down. And then the Chinese instantly violated it. This is very not. Ni- this is very 1947. This is about containment this is about stopping our enemy. It is not about trading It is about it is about cordoning off China. And it's going to be hard to do because the Chinese have a lot of money at a red hot stock market, too. Yeah. Uh, guys, a couple of things that I've been watching here every
0: day. Uh, it's a SPAC world. We're just living in it oh. these days. I mean, and I want to I'm going to every day. I think we're going to hit this to some extent because these special purpose acquisition corporations have become such an important component of our overall market. Uh, at, at least day-to-day, not to mention the M&A world, because essentially it, it, it is an M&A transaction. You need a shareholder vote uh, similarly. Today's news, let's see. we got Arteus Acquisition. They price uh, uh, upsized to $630 million. That is Charles Drucker and Boone Sim. Boone Sim was a senior banker uh, for many years at uh, at Credit Suisse. Um, you've got uh, Bill Ackman's going to price his biggest, by far, tontine back of all time, it was up to four billion. It might even get bigger than that. I think Pershing is also putting money in. And don't forget, so you're four, then maybe you're five. Then you bring in additional funds. Remember yesterday's deal that I was talking about, the multi-plan deal, Churchill Three, um, multi-plan merging into that. Hellman and Friedman selling. I think it was roughly half of their stake, and they're rolling the rest. They were the latest PE firm to own that company, um, but they raised another two plus billion in additional capital. Beyond the 1-3 that was being put in by Churchill. So these deals could get enormous. I mean, Ackman could be in a position to buy, I don't know, uh, Airbnb. I mean, you know, you, you, you just wonder what it'll be. AT&T wants to spin off DirecTV. The SPAC world is now becoming a, 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 a place of liquidity for PE firms in a significant way. That's been the case, but even more so. And even major companies that are looking for potentially a strategic spin of some kind, if they can do it. There's the, the biggest numbers so far. Again, the Ackman SPAC is going to blow them all away, but they keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, uh, Martin, Franklin, Martin uh, Franklin, who told us who told us a few weeks ago, you know, sort of we're a frothy world in SPACs. He's launching another one. I think Viking, the large hedge fund, is a partner there as well. So this just keeps going, Jim. It's amazing to watch. Uh, and it has become a real feature now. It's not just sort of a corner of the market.
4: OK, so, Dave, explain to people why this is different from private equity buying a company.
0: Uh, Well, it's first of all, you're reverse merging into a public entity. You're getting new capital as a result of doing that. Uh, And you are I mean, you are subject to a shareholder vote by the SPAC itself. The shareholders can reject or accept. Almost always they do accept warrants, typically, although Ackman changed changed the structure in his to try to make it a little more favorable overall. Uh, But it's it's different in that way. At the same time. The SPAC does have a level of control, which is why you're seeing a lot of hedge funds trying to do it. P.E. is launching their own. Remember, Apollo did one yesterday. We had that guy, Fisker Automotive. That was supposed to be in some other area. They ended up there. So you're seeing everybody involved in this, Jim. Well, I think that DraftKings, which is very successful. SPAC. Well, uh, those guys. Yeah. That's Sigansky, Isn't that was that uh, Jason Robbins? No, I'm sorry. Maybe got the wrong one. I thought that that was
4: Skansky. uh, That has been uh, what people want which is that that's the that's the gem that's uncovered. Yep. uh, And it is a very good company. Now, is it worth ten billion dollars? I know it's not up to me. I'm just saying that that that's a SPAC creation that people say, I want the next SPAC. And Martin Franklin's been successful with SPACs, if you followed him, because he did Burger King. He did. He was early.
0: He was early in the game. uh, And there had been quite a few that had been successful and they certainly seem to have captured people's imagination. Um, guys, real quickly as well, just something else we're following here. The CoreLogic. Remember, um, uh, you've got that bid out there from Senator and Kenai, Um And I am hearing today there is likely to be a meeting between CoreLogic uh, management uh, and the group that bid 65 bucks a share. Remember, it was Senator uh, uh, as well as uh, as Kenai, uh, um Bill Foley uh, with them. Um, We'll see if anything comes out of that. I'm also separately hearing there's been certainly interest from uh, PE firms if, in fact, they did move to any sort of auction. Uh, So a number of PE firms I've heard have reached out to banks to see if they could secure financing were something to actually come around. We'll see. We're going to watch it closely. It's the only really contested situation right now out there. Remember, they can act by consent, call a special meeting, so they do have real leverage here, potentially. Uh, And the company did increase its guidance. There's going to be a lot of back and forth here. They're obviously still going to wonder about regulatory, even though they went hell or high water. They're going to wonder about value. That would seem to be one of the key things. We'll see if we get any more from that potential meeting that is supposed to take place later today, according to sources. Carl, over to you.
3: All right. Thanks, David. Uh, so sectors, uh, a bit of a mixed bag this morning. Let's check in with Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob.
2: That's exactly right, Carl. Mixed bag. It's a flattish open defensive tilt somewhat. Still uncertain about where this is going to go today. Let's look at the sectors. So we started Defensively, utilities, consumer staples, healthcare was outperforming, uh, more flattish now. But what's key here is energy once again underperforming. And of course, the banks here, uh, been talking about the bank earnings all day here. At Wells Fargo down about 6%. It's a very simple story here about this, uh, larger. Uh, provisions for loan losses. These are very, very hard to estimate. Uh, Wells as Fargo had as a loss of 66 cents. The analyst estimate was a loss of 20 cents. That's a huge dispersion. This is what I've been talking about. They can't get their hands around these problems. In this particular case, loan losses. The uh, big money center banks have a big advantage because they have trading operations, the JP Morgans and the Citigroups. We've said this over and over, but let me just show you the revenues, for example, that JP Morgan gets right now. They have a substantial consumer division. They get about almost half of their revenues from consumer lending, and they have a substantial wealth advice business. They also have commercial business out there. But you see that corporate investment, 32 percent? Well, that's investment banking and trading. That's what the big regional banks, the Wells Fargo, the PNCs, Fifth Thirds, they don't have that. And when you have a very profitable quarter in, uh, in investments, that helps balance some of those other issues like loan loss provisions that are out there. Look at Wells Fargo, though. Wells Fargo makes money the old-fashioned way. There's basically three operations here. They lend to consumers and have a substantial one, like J.P. Morgan. They lend the commercial, like J.P. Morgan. And they have a substantial wealth advice business, which is pretty substantial, and these banks are trying to grow that wealth advice business. But you notice they don't have a trading operation, and that's a problem. So the analysts were wrong in estimating the amount of loan loss provisions, and I think this is going to be an issue for a lot of the regional banks going forward that don't have these trading operations that they can add into their revenues. Just keep an eye on that. And, of course, regional banks have been acting terribly recently because the market is well aware of that. So where are we right now in the overall market? I keep talking, make it simple. Think in terms of these five buckets of what moves the markets here. So the reopening story is the most important thing. And maybe the reopening story is becoming a reclosing story. That's what we don't know of. A lot of companies are not as forthcoming, I think, in the next few weeks because we don't have a clear idea of how the reopening is going. Stimulus, yeah, it's there. But you just see McConnell, he's talking about maybe one more package, maybe less intense stimulus coming. That's not overall positive. Valuation, look, there's a lot of profits hiding in tech. You saw what happened yesterday. Tech's up 10% in two weeks. They'll take profits very quickly if they think there's a short-term pullback. The momentum guys are not what you call strong hand players. What about other things out there? How about what's going on with the trade war? Well, we've seen intensifying conflicts with China. I don't think there's a lot of positive there. Not just sanctions. Other things going on there. So. Treatment is the one absolute positive. Treatment of vaccine hopes, the one absolute positive that is still sitting out there. The other four are still, you know, kind of iffy right now. That's one of the reasons the market's been fluttering around here. How about what fund managers think? Every month we talk about this Merrill Lynch. They survey 150 or so global fund managers. We watch it for a sign of what the big uh, dealers, what the big money managers are looking for here. The most crowded trade, go long tech. said that was the most crowded trade, and that is the highest in history they've ever had. That's a long trade right there. Those expecting a V recovery, only 14%. That's pretty low now. That number is dropping. Uh, The greatest risk to the rally is, of course, the second wave of coronavirus concerns that are out there. And the biggest game changer is a vaccine. Everyone agrees there. That would completely flip those numbers around about the risk to the rally and the V-shape recovery.
3: Carl, back to you. All right, Bob, we'll see you in a little while, uh, Bob Pisani. We did get CPI, and we'll get some Fed speak this afternoon. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. You know, let's
1: start out with a seven-year. I don't normally look at the seven-year as closely as other maturities, but seven-year right now, for example, should they close here under 46 basis points, would be an all-time new low-yield close. Look at a three-day chart of seven starting Friday. Their intraday low Friday was 42 basis points. At the end of June, their all-time low yield close, other than today, would have stood at 0.467. So a whisker under 0.47. So the reason I'm bringing this up is is we had arguably hotter inflation data, but yet we're still giving up ground. Let's go to the 10-year. Look at the intraday. You see that big break? That was actually before 8.30 Eastern when the data was out. That started about two minutes beforehand. And arguably, CPI data was As expected, maybe a smidge warmer, but it's not making a difference. Or record budget deficits aren't making a difference. Or McConnell thinking he wants to add to that, not making a difference. Rates are heavy. Uh, Buying is intense. Maybe it's the only hedge against equities, but no matter how you slice it, that 10-year opened it up to a three-day chart. It was trading 56 on Friday, the intraday, the all-time low-yield close well, that was the ninth of March at 54 basis points, and you can see even right now we're getting close. Matter of fact, whether it's two-year, three-year, five-year, or seven-year, they're all guns hot. Each maturity could make new all-time yield low closes. Seven-year is the only one that's there right now. Finally, a year-to-date chart of the dollar index. You know, as you look at this, realize, 96.40 is where we closed. How many times have we settled below that? Like two. You can see it on that chart. Look at that chart in thirds. If you look at the first third, that big spike down in March, that was one close under down on the year. Then right around mid-June was the other one. Well, we're sitting right at 96.40 now. And just like 10-year note yields, you know, there's a magnetic draw here. The dollar index is going to challenge and go through this number in a big way. So the charts say, so technicians say. And the 10-year note yield under 54, it's really just a matter of when. Carl, Jim, David, back to you.
3: All right, Rick, well said on rates, obviously a big piece of the puzzle right now. We'll take a break here as uh, the three big uh, gainers on the Dow for the moment, JPM, Goldman and j are the uh, big gainer or the big stocks that will report this week. We're back in just a moment. Take a look at these new grocery carts over at Amazon, allowing shoppers to skip the checkout lines altogether by tracking the items as they're added and then automatically charging them when they remove the bags. It's called a dash cart, relevant these days when you're trying to be contactless. Jim, stock is almost back to 3K after spending about a week above.
4: Yeah, it's a winner. There was a piece today about uh, Walmart being able to compete with them in grocery. I think that's really about it, though. Uh, Those stores are fantastic. The one in San Francisco, it was kind of a little scary because I felt like I was shoplifted. Just like, wow, I just walked out and I didn't have to pay. But of course, you are paying. And I think that Amazon's model is the one that makes it so that people say, you know what, Uh, I know it's 3000, but they do have a path. I mean, the difference between Tesla and this is that Amazon has a path. Tesla has to build 100 factories to meet the demand. I don't, I'm just picking it up. Either, but they, they have to build a lot of it. Amazon's got it right now. And Amazon Web Services is ready to handle any amount of traffic. I know David uh, has hinted and I think said that maybe Amazon advertising is going to be the most exciting leg of the stool.
0: It's a high margin business for them, as is, of course, AWS, which has been such an incredible. Uh, uh, well, it's been rocket fuel for the company's profitability, Carl. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on the ads as they continue to compete more and more effectively with the likes of Alphabet and Facebook, at least for small and medium sized businesses that advertise on the platform.
4: Juggernauts. Yeah
3: guys, we're keeping an eye on Wells. Uh, The low today, 2333 is going to take you back basically to the end of May. Uh, Later on, don't miss the first on CNBC earnings interview with Wells Fargo CFO John Shrewsbury. That's 3 p.m. Eastern on the closing bell. We're back in a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere. Jim mentioned the double downgrade of Spotify this morning. UBS goes to sell. Uh, They point out the stock's up almost 50% since uh, the podcast strategy came into focus. They do up their price target to 204. Stock's down 4%. We're back in a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading.
4: You no, know, Carl, this weekend I was at a shop right with my wife, Lisa, at, at uh, Neptune, New Jersey. And she said, look at these. She helped this hands, hand, yeah, hands brand product. And she goes, face masks. I said, I'm not putting underwear on my face. They look like boxers. Well, no. It turns out that the HBI has developed a $300 million mask brand. And you get them at Target. They're fantastic. They feel pretty good. They feel, well, they do feel a little like that. Uh, they uh, underwear, but they've got uh, They breathe. And, and uh, you know, it's credit suites. Listen, it's time to buy it, to upgrade to outperform. And the big issue here is it's out of nowhere. They got a three hundred million dollar business. Good for them. Uh, and it's um, it's shocking to wear underwear on your face. But it works.
3: I'm thinking back, Jim, to uh, that key bank note uh, I think it was Ed Yuruma who called the mask business a $9 billion opportunity for Etsy, And Gap, and I guess clearly HBI, too.
4: Well, HBI saved by the uh, mask. And I like the story. It's been uh, a it's cheap stock. And now I know cheap doesn't mean much in this market, but it is inexpensive, just like paychecks, which I have on tonight. Downgraded and the stock barely gets nicked. What does that tell you? 3.5 percent yield. And then Livongo, some people think the most overvalued stock in the market. And it's heavily shorted. I think it's one of the fastest growing companies. It's a company that helps you if you have a, a lifelong illness like diabetes. It's a life coach. And I think it's a fantastic company. And Glenn Tolman is a great CEO. So we will see tonight. The shorts uh, may get what they want. The stock has had an amazing run, but I think it's a good company.
3: Jim, we'll see you at six. Underwear on All the right. face. Have a good one, Jim Kramer. <laughs> Underwear on the face.
0: Mad thanks, Money. Thanks for that, Jim. 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street.